doesn't happen overnight. But to a third grader, we just didn't grasp that. I wasn't paying attention. So I remember leaving that day with excitement because I couldn't wait to go back to school the next day. <laughs> and so when I arrived at school that next morning, the first thing I did was I scurried up to the windowsill expecting to see a tree. It wasn't even like I expected to see like a little plant or a little leaf. I, I wanted to see a tree. <coughs> and uh, so I expected to see this tree. And of course, to my disappointment, there was no tree. There was no plant. There was no green leaf. There was just a cup of dirt. And so the teacher said, don't worry. Just water the cup and trust. And so that's what we did. And so each day, uh, a whole bunch of us third graders, every morning we would walk into the classroom, we would scurry up to the windowsill, looking to inspect our cup, only to find nothing had happened. And this repeated for several days going on into the next week. And one day I came into the class and everybody, all my classmates were, were huddled around the windowsill, but something was different. They were all whispering and clamoring about something. And so I came in and I had to try to squeeze my way through the crowd of third graders. And as soon as I got there, I, we, I saw it. A fine little piece of green had begun to sprout out of the cup. And to us, you would have thought it was a sequoia tree because we were just going off the wall. We were just so excited until I realized that it wasn't my cup. And then jealousy kicked in. And I'm like, well, why has his cup got the green leaf? And mine doesn't. And so then I went to go inspect my cup. And I did what any third grader would do when they're disappointed that their seed didn't grow and sprout the way you thought it was. Is I dug up my seed and I picked it up to see if it was still there. And it was. It looked a little different. There were some little tiny roots that started to spread. But there was no green there. Today... I want to talk to you about being planted. I want to talk to each and every one of us here about the vital and the, necess the necessity for each and every one of us to be planted in our life with Christ and what it means for Christ followers to be properly planted. So when we go back to the text here in Psalm chapter 1, the psalmist gives us a picture on the life of those who follow Christ. The psalmist is giving us a picture on, on what a, a Christian, a mature Christian life, a godly life will look like. And in this verse, in this chapter, he helps us to see that those that commit to living a godly life, those that commit to following Christ will find contentment and happiness. Now, it's important to note this, that this contentment and this happiness is not a materialistic happiness. It's not a materialistic uh, contentment in that you're going to have all the things you ever wanted. This contentment and this happiness is not a wealth contentment. It's not in having all the wealth and all the financial security and all the financial blessings. That's not what this contentment is about. It's not an occupational contentment in that you will have the best job and you will get all of the promotions that you're seeking in life. It's, that's not the contentment and the happiness the psalmist is writing about. The psalmist is not writing about a relational contentment that every relationship 
will be life-giving the way that you desire it to be. The contentment and the happiness that the psalmist writes that those that commit to following Christ, those that live a godly life is a contentment that is an eternal contentment, a spiritual happiness that goes beyond the finite limitations of this world, that is beyond the temporal things that will fade away. It is beyond the desires of the world. See, for you and I, the contentment we find is in Christ. It is the promise and security and hope that we find in God. And it is the assurance that he is with us, that he isn't going anywhere, and that we will spend all of eternity with him. Can I just say this? We are eternal beings. We have a beginning, but we don't have an end. And, and where we spend eternity is determined upon what we decide, what we do in this life here on earth. Because when you die and you, you die in this earth, it's not over there's life after death. And so for you and I, if, if we commit to following Christ, if we commit to living a godly life, we will find eternal contentment, eternal happiness. And so when we look at this passage, the psalmist gives us a picture on what a godly, mature, Christian, Christ-centered life looks like. And this is what he tells us. He says this, they are like trees planted along the riverbank. Planted. Now, what's, what's interesting is that trees are not planted as trees. They're planted as seeds. Yes, maybe on some occasions somebody will, will do, if you're doing some landscaping, some gardening, and somebody will come and drive over and they'll drop some trees into the ground and they'll plant those. That's true, but those trees didn't start off as trees. They all started out as seeds. And what is the necessary thing that a seed must do in order to be planted? It must be buried. In order for a seed to be planted, it has to be buried. But can I tell you, there is a significant um, need for us to have proper perspective when it comes to being planted. Because I think a lot of us have the perspective that we are being buried, but in fact, you're not being buried, you're being planted. James 1, 2 through 4 says this, he says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. Whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Perspective is vital when it comes to being planted, because there might be some of you here today that feel like you're being buried. You might feel like you're under a lot of weight. You might feel like you're overwhelmed. You might feel like the burdens of life and the world is on top of your shoulders and you can't continue on. You might feel like it's dark and it's bleak and you can't see what's going on. Can I tell you something though? Maybe, just maybe, you're not being buried, you're being planted. Can I say that again? You're not being buried, you're being planted. Trials, challenges, opposition, difficulty, all of those things transpire, but those things develop us. They prepare us. They equip us 
for the purpose, calling, and plan God has for our lives. If you take a seed and you don't bury it in dirt, you will never get a plant or a tree. It'll just remain a seed. And if you are not buried, if you don't go through these necessary trials and challenges and situations, you won't develop, you won't grow into the Christ follower that God is calling you to be. You have to be buried, but when you're buried, you're being planted. There is purpose taking place. And what does James say? He says, consider what pure joy when you face great days. No, he doesn't say that. He says, consider pure joy when? When you face trials of many kinds. And I'm sure all of you, most of you, if not all of you know this, that following Jesus does not absolve you from the challenges and difficulties of life. And so what's taking place, though, when we're being planted under the dirt? What's, what's transpiring when we're being, uh, when we have all these things on top of us? Well, we're digging roots. We're digging roots. We have to dig roots before we can produce fruit. And what are these roots? Well, these roots are things like character, integrity, perseverance. Can I tell you, you can't buy character. You can't trade for integrity. These are not things that you can acquire with money and connections, but they have to be developed through the process of perseverance. And can I tell you that the development of these roots, the development of character and integrity are vital to the development and shaping of your life. Without these roots, without character, without integrity, without these things growing and developing in the soil, you won't be able to stand firm. You won't be able to endure. You won't be able to follow through on the calling and purpose that God has for your life. You know, a lot of us, we might look and see what other Christians and Christ followers are doing. Maybe you're on social media and you're seeing what, what some of these people are doing in their faith and they're doing great things. You're like, man, I really want to do what they're doing. See, a lot of us, we want the fruits and the appearance of other Christ followers' lives, but we don't want to go through the process to develop the roots that they have developed in their life. If you want to produce fruit, you have to dig roots. And what's the best stuff to help seeds grow? What's the best stuff to help plants grow? Is it the sweet-smelling aroma of just the, the, the greatest, cleanest soil on the world? No. It's the stuff that you can't stand to smell. It is the dirtiest. It is the nastiest foul-smelling manure. You know what I'm talking about. You know when it's landscaping season because you roll down your window and you get that sweet aroma of manure. But can I tell you that it's the, it's the, it's the dirtiest stuff. It's the most foul-smelling stuff that leads to the best growth. It might be that the most difficult and harshest, darkest, dirtiest seasons of your life will produce the most growth in your life. Don't forsake the challenges. Don't forsake the trials because can I tell you, they're going to produce strong, deep roots that will sustain you in that next season of life. Some of us may be praying for deliverance in our seasons, in our trials. We might be praying God to 
remove us from these challenges, to change our circumstances, change our season. Say, God, would you get rid of this? Would you get me out of here? I'm going to pull my get out of jail card. I'm going to I'm going to place this I'm going to place my Jesus card on the table, you know, and take it all away. But maybe Jesus doesn't want to deliver you through it. He wants to bring you through it. What happens if you remove a seed prematurely from the soil? Well, I know what happens cuz I did it in 3rd grade. And I ever since then I've had the worst green thumb ever. I can't grow anything. Um, but when I removed that seed, guess what? Even though I put it back in the dirt, it didn't grow anymore. I killed it. When you remove a seed, when you try to get it out because you're not seeing the growth take place, you short, you cut off the growth potential. You remove it from the environment where it's going to grow the most. Maybe God's not delivering you from it because he wants to bring you through it. And can I tell you that growth and comfort don't mix. Growth and comfort don't mix. You can be comfortable, but you're not going to grow. And you can grow, but you're not going to be comfortable. See, growth doesn't happen as you lounge back, relax on the couch, watching Netflix or the Hallmark Channel. It's just not going to happen. You want to grow, you got to be willing to be uncomfortable. you got to be willing to be stretched. you got to be willing to go through those challenging times. Because what does James say here? He says what? Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many times because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. You can't have growth without comfort. Trials are not comfortable. Challenges are not comfortable. But they most certainly help produce growth. And for some of us here, it's important that we note this, that growth many times is not seen. It's not seen. For our third grade class, we didn't see the growth transpiring in the soil. We didn't see the roots digging deeper in the dirt. But growth was happening. You may be have committed your life to Christ. You may be following through on godly living. And you might say, you know what, I, I'm doing everything I can. But my circumstances haven't changed. These trials haven't gone away. I'm still facing the same difficulty. The people around me are still talking negatively. My boss still treats me horrendously. I'm still dealing with these things in my workplace or in my home. I haven't had that financial breakthrough that I've been praying for, even though I've been a good steward of my finances. That healing hasn't come yet, even though I pray day and night. Can I tell you that even though those things might not change, you have been changing. You have been growing. You might not see it, but it's taking place. You might not be able to sense it, but no, it's happening. It's happening within you. God is less concerned about what you do and more concerned about who you are. And that is an, an internal thing. That is about who you are becoming internally, inside. And what do we know about how God views us? For God looks at what? He looks at the heart. Man looks at the outward, but I, God, he looks at the heart. He's looking at your heart. And even though you can't see it, even though other people might not see it, they might say, you're not growing. You're not growing. Can I tell you, though, that as you commit to following Christ, living a godly life, growth is happening even when you can't see it. However, a seed that is planted but isn't 
fed and nourished will ultimately not grow. The psalmist writes, they are like trees planted along the riverbank. I love that the psalmist identifies the location being the riverbank. Because location is significant for you and I if we're going to be planted as Christ followers, as those commit to godly living. Now, we're not talking about a geographical location. We're not saying, well, if you live in this zip code, you're more likely to be better planted than in this zip code. Or if you live in this area, or if you live, we're not talking about a geographical, but we're talking about a spiritual location. Are you spiritually connected to the life source? And what I love about the riverbank is that what, it reckon, what that establishes is this, is that the tree that is planted by the riverbank does not need to trust its source of sustenance and nourishment from exterior things like rain. It means that regardless of if it's raining or if it's dry, regardless of if it's a very abundant rainfall season or if it's a very um, dry season, that tree will still receive its nourishment because it's connected to the riverbank. And for you and I as Christ followers, what that means is that when we are connected to the source of life, the eternal source, Christ himself, regardless of what's going on in our life, we will be nourished and sustained. We will be nourished and sustained. One of the things that I have a problem of is... Um, I have a very unhealthy eating habit in that I don't eat on a consistent schedule. And what I mean by that is that, um, I'll, I'll say, that, although I will say, I do have my morning coffee. Every morning I, I have to have my cup of coffee. But after that, it's fair game. I, there, there are some days where I'll eat lunch at 10 a.m., and there are other days where I won't eat lunch until 4 p.m. And there are some days where I'll realize that it's 6 p.m., and I haven't eaten breakfast, lunch, and it's getting to dinner, and I'm like, oh, no, I haven't eaten anything. How, how can I be sustained through my physical day if I'm not getting the right nourishment? And I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this. I think that there are some of us here that are trusting on trying to live on yesterday's sustenance. There are some of us here that are trying to live on last Sunday's sustenance. There are some of us here that are trying to live on last month or last year's nourishment. Because you are not planted by the riverbank. You are not planted by the source of life. And if you are going to grow and live the life that God has called you to live, not only do you need to be planted to develop strong roots that will sustain you in the season and the calling and the purpose that God has for your life, but you need to be adequately planted by the riverbank, by the source of life, daily getting your strength and your nourishment. You might be wondering, why do I keep making the same mistakes? Why do I keep falling back into sin? Why do I, why can't I get over this hurt and this pain? Why can't I do these things? And even though I strive to do it, I just keep finding myself slipping back into it. Why? My wife will tell you that there are two times when I am not fun to be around. And, and I'm sure she'll tell you there are an abundantly more uh, list of things of where I'm not fun to be around. But there are two specific times that she'll tell me. She'll be like, hmm, I can, I can narrow it down to two things. And she's like 99% right. Um, one is when I don't get enough sleep. And I get cranky. 
and, and so I'm tired, I'm cranky, and I'm not fun to be around. And the other time is when I'm hungry and I get hangry. Anyone else here relate? Anyone else get hangry when they don't eat? Yeah? I'll be the first of it. I get hangry. I do. I get a little angry when I'm hungry. And maybe, just maybe, the reason why you're finding yourself still making those same mistakes, still falling back into those same behaviors and those same patterns, is because you are spiritually hangry. I think we have some spiritually hangry people in the church. And the solution is not three steps, it's not ten, play, ten ways, it's not going to this thing and that thing or the other thing. It's going back to your source of life and sustenance. We got some spiritually hangry Christians here. You're spiritually hungry. You haven't eaten. You don't know what's wrong. You need some food. It says the riverbanks. And when I hear the word riverbanks and when I begin to visualize what that looks like, and I'm so, I love that the psalmist gives us such a clear image of what a Christian life looks like. I mean, if we just close our eyes for a moment, you can see and visualize a tree out in the wilderness, out in nature by the riverbank. The grass is green. You can hear the butterflies fly. And so when I hear, when I see this and I read this, I see a vibrant tree. I see a vibrant forest with the riverbank flowing through. You know what I don't see? I don't see little potted plants on the shelf in my house. I don't see little plants in the corner of the room that have a nice appearance. Because potted plants will never reach its full potential. Because potted plants are limited by the vessel that contains them. And can I tell you, church, we are not meant to live in a vessel that limits what God wants to do in us. And I think that there's a lot of us that we're content with looking like everything's good. Sure, we might have really nice green leaves. And sure, the branches might be strong. But you are never going to fulfill the true purpose and calling if you're sitting on a shelf looking pretty inside. If you're sitting on a pot on the floor. Because God hasn't called you to be within the walls of the church. He's called you to go out into the world. You might look good. You might have that Instagram-worthy post, but you'll never fulfill the full purpose. So he says we are like plants rooted along the riverbanks. And he says this, bearing fruit each season. Bearing fruit each season. In John 15, Jesus is talking. He says this. He says, yes, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Those who remain in me, and I in them, will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are fathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want, and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. What does he say? He says, when you produce much fruit. You are my true disciple. So you, we've established that we are to be planted like a tree, that we would dig and develop good roots to sustain us, integrity and character and perseverance. 
and that we are connected to the source of life. And then after that, what does it say? That we bear fruit. It's from the fruit that we bear that we are known as whether or not we are true disciples. So the question I have for you is, are you bearing fruit? Are you bearing fruit? Well, what fruit are you talking about? I, I, apples and our, we're talking about Paul, what he writes here. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Are you exemplifying? Are you exhibiting? Are you modeling? Are you living the fruit of the Spirit? And it's so important that we establish this. It's not some of it. It's not, oh, well, I got love today and joy today, but I don't have it. It's all or nothing. The fruit of the Spirit is an all or nothing package. You either got it or you don't. You don't get to choose from a buffet line. I want this and this and this. I'm going to pass on that because that just doesn't sit right with my life. No, it's all or nothing. Do you bear the fruit of the Spirit? Are you known by your love? Are you known by your joy? Are you known by your gentleness? Are you known by your patience? Are you known by your faithfulness and your goodness and your kindness? Are you known by these things? Because if you're not bearing them, you're missing it. In this passage that we just read, what happens if you don't bear fruit? I'm going to be brutally honest with you. Because this is what Jesus says, that if something doesn't bear fruit, it's not useful. And if it's not useful, it needs to be what? It needs to be pruned. It needs to be cut off. It needs to be taken off of the branch. If you're not bearing fruit, you are not useful. You are not fulfilling the purpose and calling that God has for your life. And not only that, but you're also being a detriment to the body and to the plant. If, if I were to cut my finger and expose it to all the dirt and all the germs that I possibly could and just let it kind of sit there, it would probably get infected. And the thing with an infection is that it doesn't just stay in the finger. Yeah, it might just be a small cut and it might just affect my finger for a couple days, but that infection, if not taken care of, if not treated, if not removed, will grow. And that infection will move from my finger to my hand and then from my hand to my arm and from my arm to the rest of my body. And that infection could lead to my demise. And can I tell you that I believe that when the church, we have a lot of individuals who claim to be Christ followers but are not bearing fruit. And so not only are they not fulfilling their purpose, but now they are like an infection to the body and they are poisoning it and they are leading to the detriment. Why do you think the church looks like the way it is sometimes? Why do you think the world looks the way it is sometimes? Because we have too many people in the church who are not bearing fruit and not only are they not fulfilling what God has called them to do, but they are now being like a leech, like an infection, sapping the life. You know, there's one place that the that the world should look different. It should be within the community of Christ followers. And yet, so many times, we have the same issues. We still bicker. We still gossip. We still slander. And if Christ followers would just get their act together and start bearing fruit and cutting off the ones that aren't, we would be so much more effective for the glory of God and for the expansion of the kingdom. we got to bear fruit. And the psalmist says, bearing fruit when? Each season. 
the psalmist says that we are to bear fruit each season. Uh, a couple years ago, I went with some of my friends, and uh, we wanted to go to this restaurant that uh, we really enjoy, we really like. And uh, so we all got up. It's like an hour and a half away, so it's like a commitment to have to make that that drive, you know, when you, whenever there's something you want to do, but then you're like, hey, yeah, let's go do that. It's like, it's like an hour and a half. You're like, oh, on second thought, don't really want to do that. But we had decided, like, oh, we're going, we got to go. And so we get in the car and we drive an hour and a half and we get there and then we realize that it's a seasonal restaurant and they are closed because it is out of season. Talk about disappointment. And so, not only did we drive an hour and a half up to go and find out that this place was closed because it was seasonal, then we had to drive that other hour and a half because there were no other, not only were they closed, every other place was closed because the whole area was seasonal, so we had to drive a whole another hour and a half back and we were hungry. You know, when, when something is out of season, it can be frustrating. It can be, uh, it can be detrimental. But see, for you and I, when we live godly lives, when we commit to following Christ, mature, Christ-centered living, we are to bear fruit not only in season, but we are to bear fruit out of season. We are to bear fruit in season and bear fruit out season. A mature Christian life bears fruit even when life is harshest, even when life is cruelest, even when life is most unfair, most difficult, and the most trying times. And can I tell you, sometimes, a lot of times, that's when the fruit is most effective. When you're going through that really dark and, and challenging season, and you are still known by your love and your joy and your peace, and you got the joy of the Lord within you, and you have the peace that passes all understanding, and even though everyone knows that your life is just in chaos, but you are still known by joy and peace and love and long-suffering and gentleness and kindness and faithfulness, can I tell you what an effective witness you are for God's glory? Because we are called to bear fruit in and out of season in season and out of season. And I'm not just talking about the significant trying challenges that we can all think of in, the, in our lives. We can think of some of the worst case scenarios, but I'm also talking about just the little everyday moments in our lives. I'm gonna, I, I, I shared this in the first service, so I, got, I have to share it in the second service. Um, but there was a time in the season when I used to work in the restaurant. I used to work in several restaurants as a server. And can I tell you one of the most um, heartbreaking things to hear from other people who are not Christ followers is that they would dread working on Sundays. And the reason why all these servers in the restaurant would dread working on Sundays is because they knew all the Christians would come to the restaurant after church. And they would get the worst treatment out of any of their customers all week long they would have the most difficult time. They would have some of the stingiest people. We should be known by our generosity. Can I just, I'm just going to say that real quickly. If you want to live a life, you need to be living a generous life. I'm just going to drop that there for you. And so even though, yeah, your meal might not come out the way it is, you should still bear fruit in and out of season. Yeah, you might be frustrated because that person cut you off, and I'm talking to myself right now, and they rudely cut you off and made you hit the red light. 
you should be bearing fruit in season and out of season. You might be inconvenienced by this thing here, by that person. They might come to you at the most inopportune time. But can I tell you, we are called to live and bear fruit in season and out of season. Bear fruit each season. The psalmist says their leaves never wither. As we are approaching this fall season, we think, I mean, it's 90 one day, 40 another, probably be 90 again this week, and, you know, get cold again, and, and we don't know what to do, and nature doesn't know what to do, but eventually we're going to hit the fall season, and with the fall season, at least for you and I in the Northeast that we live, uh, we know that the leaves will begin to change color, and the leaves will fall, and I, I, was, I was reading this and listening to this and, and just kind of studying on this, and, and the reason why... I actually didn't know this. I just thought it's just the, you know, it just helps us to know it's fall. But there's actually a reason why. Uh, the reason why the leaves change colors in fall is because in this transitional season of fall, autumn, um, the trees recognize that the harsh, cold winter is approaching. And as this harsh, cold winter is approaching, nourishment, sustenance, living, healthy living is more difficult, near impossible. And so in order to survive and make it through the challenging and, and harsh winter, the tree will begin to take all of its energy and its life and its nourishment and begin to bring it internally to its core, leaving the extremities cut off to die. But the psalmist says here that those that commit to godly living are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season, and their leaves never wither. And the reason why our leaves never wither when we commit to following Christ is because regardless of the season, regardless of what's taking place, we have an ongoing source of sustenance that will sustain us even in the darkest and the harshest and the cruelest of seasons that life can throw your way. That even in the darkest times, even in the cruelest moments, you are connected to the source of life that will sustain you, which tells me this, that you don't have to withdraw you don't have to try to save up. You don't have to try to store up your energy, your time, your resources. But you can continue to live all in. You can continue to go after it. You can continue to keep going forward. You can continue to press on, to progress forward. Even when life is telling you that you can't. You serve and are connected and are empowered by the one who will see you through it. He will see you through it. So don't hold back. It's very easy for us in those moments to try to reserve ourselves and to try to save up, build a little nest egg, kind of go this way, you know, kind of get a little bit more conservative with our living. But can I tell you that if we are to be mature, godly Christ followers, that we have the assurance that regardless of what comes our way, our leaves will never wither. We don't have to worry about cutting off the, our energy and our time and our resources so we can be okay because God will see us through it. You can keep going all in. To follow Christ means to go all in, day in, day out. Not with some of it, not with most of it, but all of your life. Not just on Sunday, not just on Wednesday, but every day of the week, 24-7 
Uh, 12 months a year, 365 days a year, we are to live all in. Keep going forward. Don't hold back. And so with this, I close, and I'm going to just ask if Sharon can come forward. So the psalmist tells us that we are like trees planted along the riverbanks, bearing fruit each season. Our leaves never wither. And then he says this, he says, and they prosper in all they do. They prosper in all they do. And what's important to note is that this prosper is not like King Midas's touch of gold. If you're familiar with that story ever, you know that King Midas, that he had this touch that anything he touched would turn to gold. And that, that's not what we're talking about here. It's not whatever, whatever you want, you get. That's not the prosper we're talking about here. But godly, mature living. One that is planted, digging roots. That is connected to the source of life, daily getting its sustenance, its nourishment from the Lord. That is bearing the fruit of the Spirit in season and out of season, recognizing that it doesn't have to hold back, but can go all in. Can hold on to this assurance that everything and everything they do, everything they say, day in, day out, moment by moment, that God's presence, God's love, God's work, God's power is made known and is found in their life. Isn't that what it's all about for you and I? That by living our lives day in and day out, people around us, those we encounter, whether it's the person at the toll booth, the cashier at the register, our neighbor as we're walk, as we're driving down the road, the classmate in our school, the coworker that we sit next to, that in everything we do, everything we say, each moment that we live our lives, God's presence and power and hope and truth can be found and made known in their lives. That's what it's all about that we would carry the name of Jesus, that we would be light to the world, salt to the earth, flavor to the flavorless. And that everything we do, everything we say would prosper so that others around us, those we encounter, whether by chance or by daily interaction, God can be found. God can be found. But for that to happen, we have to be planted. We have to be planted. And it might feel like you're buried. It might feel like the, the storms and the obstacles of life are just weighing down on you. You might feel burdened down, overwhelmed. Can I tell you, just maybe you're not buried. You're planted. And when you're planted, you're going to dig those, those roots. Dig them deep. They are roots that cannot be bought, cannot be bargained for, cannot be traded. They must be grown in the process of time and perseverance. But know that even though you don't see it, growth is happening. And if you're uncomfortable, you are in a perfect place to grow. If you're comfortable, maybe you need to see how you get uncomfortable. 
And so long as you're comfortable, you'll limit your ability to grow. That we will be connected to the source of life, having daily nourishment and sustenance from God. That we would not be spiritually hangry Christians. That we would feed ourselves on the nourishment that God freely offers. And that we would bear fruit. We will be known by our love and our joy and our peace and our patience and our kindness and our gentleness and our goodness and our self-control in season, out of season, when it's convenient, when it's not convenient, in the good, in the bad, when we expect it, when we least expect it. We wouldn't get caught off guard because we bear the fruit of the Spirit in season and out of season. We wouldn't hold back because we know God will constantly sustain us and that in everything we do God will be found so I ask that every head bowed be bowed tonight, this morning and that every head would be closed I be closed and just in this moment of, of reflection I just want to ask you these things how are you doing are you planted are you planted And I, can, uh, and I will take a moment to pray over those specifically that say, you know, Pastor, I just feel very overwhelmed and burdened down. And let me just encourage you, keep going, endure, hold on. Don't compromise. Don't try to take things out of your hands, in your own hands. But trust that God is at work in your life. It doesn't mean it's easy. But trust that God's got a purpose and he's at work even when it's unseen. But how are you planning? Are you hungry? Are you spiritually hangry? Because you just need some food. You don't need three steps. You don't need ABC. You don't need to go to this, that, and the other. You just need to get back to God, the sort of life. Are you bearing fruit? Are you known by your fruit in season and out of season? Are you holding back? Don't hold back. Don't get defensive. Don't get conservative with your living, but live with boldness and courage to go all in. And then, then believe and take hold of the assurance that in everything you do, God's presence, his love, his work, his power can be found and made known in those around you. But we have to be planted. So tonight, this morning before we close, I just want to read this last verse over us to remind us, to encourage us. Paul writes in Philippians 1.6, he says this, Be confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of the Lord. Listen to that one more time. Take hold of that. Be confident. Take hope in this. That he, he being Christ, Christ who has started a work in you. He started a work in you. That he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. God is at work in your life. He has begun a good work, and he will see it through for his glory and honor. Heavenly Father.
We thank you for our time together. God, that, that we would be planted, that we would be like a tree planted along the riverside, that we would dig deep roots. And even when life is harshest and cruelest and most difficult, we would recognize that this is the time for us to grow, that it's in the challenging seasons that you produce the most growth in our roots to prepare us to be sustained and equipped for what you're calling us in the future. That, God, we will be connected to your source of life. We would not be malnutrition Christians, Christ followers, that we would not be spiritually hungry, and that, God, we would be known by our fruit, that we would bear fruit in season, out of season, all the fruit of the Spirit. And that, God, we wouldn't hold back, but we would go all in, so that way you may be found, your hope may be found, your name will be found in everything we do, everything we say, by all those around us for your glory and honor. Be with us this week. Keep us safe. Help us, Lord, to grow closer with you that we wouldn't stay the same, but we would continue to grow in you, be planted. And we ask all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen and amen. Well, so glad that you're here today. God bless you. We just want to remind you today is this, this evening at 6 o'clock is our first Sunday service. We're just going to take some time in worship and prayer. And we're going to open up these altars and encounter God tonight. That all starts at 6 o'clock. We hope to see you there. Have a great week in the Lord. God bless you.